Amen. Well, as Tom gets ready to come up and share in the Word, we can go ahead and release Flip 180. If you have a tween, they can be released to their class. You guys can be released. And just before Tom shares, um, last week when Tom was sharing, it was a great message, and um, I know Alex was about to come out of his seat. You know, the, the church, the body of Christ, we're called to reach the world. Can I have an amen? We are, we are to bring souls into the kingdom. We're, we're to be reaching out. And I felt like the Lord just wanted Alex just to share a, 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 a letter, a part of a letter that was written many, many, many years ago about what took place in the time of Christ. And it's a little testimony with it that goes along with Tom's word last week. And uh, we're just going to let Alex share that. Everybody welcome Alex Fulton. Amen. Thank you, brother. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> kind of wore out after worship there. I feel like I need a Gatorade. But uh, when I see someone usually always with cancer, I always share that my dad had a large tumor. And five days after they took his tumor out, they came back with a biopsy and said, we don't know how to tell you this, but your cancer was already dead and dried up. How many of you agree that one's testimonies become a prophecy for others' breakthrough? What I'm going to say is not a new testimony, but it's a, a very potent and powerful testimony that could happen right here in Newcastle. Uh, it's something that um, I've been studying for a long time on the Radiant Church with Lynn Furrow, and uh, I've shared this with Eric, Jeff, and others, but I feel that we're on the cusp of something big getting ready to happen here in Henry County that has already started with Joel's miracle being a catalyst, and now God is propping us up to go boldly and be fishers of men. This testimony is over 2,000 years old and was shared with me from Lynn, and it really opened my eyes to what happens when the church's radical lovers of God devoted to the kingdom purpose of sharing the gospel and being bold about it. And it reveals what is one of the byproducts of a radiant church, the mass salvation of the lost in our surroundings with epic proportions. This is a testimony that tells that very reality. Lynn took this class on Roman history, and he actually studied a real document of a Roman governor that ruled over a province. And this governor sent a letter to Caesar himself, asking for his instruction because the governor said, something is going on in our province that is unsettling. Now remember, this governor was a pantheist, and he believed in many gods. He said in his letter, I have deep concern about this Christian sect that is growing in my province because of the effects of their teaching and preaching. But not just their teaching and preaching, but also their genuine love and their giving and service to the poor. He then said, because of this Christian sect, all the temples of the pagan gods in my province have been abandoned and are empty. Glory to God. He said, all the money sources of the offerings that we collect taxes on, we are in a real difficult uh, time financially because instead of people paying these temple taxes to worship at these pagan temples, 
our income is all dried up. <laughs> he then desperately said to Caesar, what do you want me to do? Because I feel my whole province has been taken over by the teachings of this man called Jesus, who was crucified but was resurrected from the dead. How many of you believe that if God can empty out all the pagan temples in a Roman province 2,000 years ago, he can empty out some bars here in Newcastle, Indiana. That's right. He can empty out some afflicted things in our city. He can change the spiritual landscape and the spiritual identity of our region. I find the faith crisis isn't in our city. Many times it's getting the church to be a believing church of believing believers. Who overcome the world as Christ overcame it. Do you believe that God could earmark us in this season in the history of this city for a whole-scale revival that brings hundreds, even thousands of people who are not walking with the Lord presently and bring them into the kingdom quickly? God has handpicked every one of us out of all of human history to be alive here right now today in these last days to usher in his kingdom right before his return. God could have had anyone in all of humanity to be here right now. King David, Moses, anyone. But he chose you to be here right now as things are wrapping up on planet Earth. What an honor it is that when it's the fourth quarter of the game, so to speak, and our world is on the brink, that God calls us out of everyone that has ever been alive to reap a harvest and set the captives free. Radiant Christianity is contagious. If we will get bolder and express our faith, become in salt and light, it will embolden those around you. And we can go forth as an army, as a family of affection that carries forth that kingdom mandate and purpose. Can we be bold like Peter, preaching on the day of Pentecost, to roar like a lion and 3,000 people get saved in one day? I say thank you, Lord, for stirring our hearts and making us radically devoted to you where you can show the endorsement of heaven upon the authenticity of our witness with the miraculous, where Newcastle is no longer a city of poverty, but a city to where surrounding communities are drawn to this city because of the overwhelming blessing, grace, love, compassion, and holiness of God himself. Thank you, Lord. Sorry, I was kind of a wreck. All wore out. Bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We are going to see those things happen in the city. Because we love the city. We love the city, don't we? Are we going to be a people who are married to the land here? Amen. Well, I feel like a mosquito at a nudist colony. I know why I'm here, I just don't know where to start. 
Okay. Get that visual out of your head. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, kingdom of heaven is about joy in the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Wow. God needs some happy Christians. He really does. Uh, sour pusses don't win anybody to Jesus. So today I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back into the the message I began to share a few weeks ago about increasing our capacity. Um, at the beginning of the year, I shared how God wants us to have a vision. Does everybody remember that? That you need a vision for this year. You need a vision for your life. You need a, a vision for your marriage, your money, your parenting. Uh, how a vision for how you're gonna follow and serve the Lord. And if you're doing it right, you have a vision that's way beyond you. If you're doing it right. If you're you're really getting a God-sized vision for your life, it's going to be beyond you, bigger than you. You're not going to be able to accomplish it by yourself. And it's important. If I can get this done in like two weeks, well, that was a project. (laughs) <laughs> you know, good job. I have a project, some projects this summer I'm going to get done, right? But, but vision, a prophetic vision from the Lord, a God-sized vision requires um, you and I to be able to, to look at it and realize that we've got to like, grow into it. We've got we've to enlarge our capacity to be able to get to that place where we see the Lord taking us. As a church, as a family, you don't go from where you are to where you need to be without there's being some kind of growth that has to happen in your life. You can't just sit around and then all of a sudden you're at the next level. That doesn't happen for anyone. Anywhere. You may say, well, lottery does that. No, lottery puts people in worse problems than they started. That's a poverty mentality. And if it offends you, I'm sorry, but if you play the lottery, you have a poverty mentality. Get rich quick is not kingdom. Nowhere. Proverbs says a man who wants to get rich quick is a fool. So kingdom people, that's you and I, there's a different path for us. There's a different route we have to take. We have to understand that God has a vision bigger and better than we are, and he wants us to grow into it. And so when I shared several weeks ago, you know, I kind of ended with that prayer of Jabez, right? He says, enlarge my territory. He prayed, God, allow me to be able to to fill up, to, to, to enter into the fullness of all that you have for my life. If you want better marriage, if you want a, a, a better financial situation, you're going to have to grow into something. You have to enlarge yourself in a capacity. God doesn't wave magic wands and go, oh, now you're a financial wizard. It doesn't happen. And we talked about a story, and I'm going to reread the story just to kind of help recap us of, of where we were um, in Matthew 25, if you have your Bible, open it up. If not, it'll be on the screen 
or open your app, whatever you got. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, we have this wonderful story being told to us. It says, for the kingdom of heaven, it's like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And one he gave five talents, another two, and another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides these. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Anybody want to be in the joy of the Lord? Man. Verse 22, he also had, he who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground and look, here it is. It's yours. But his Lord answered and he said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew That I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the guy who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now let's look back at verse 15 there. He says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. Now, what I discussed in the first part of this message was that our ability, the thing that we're, we're looking at here in this story, each to his ability, our ability is like a container for God's resource. God has a harvest of blessing. Remember, in fact, throw the picture up there. 
Nope. Nope, the water tower. There we go. Come on now. That's mine right there. It's over by Osborne Park, if you don't know. It's full of my blessing. More than I could handle. God has a harvest of blessing. And I've given towards that. I have sowed financially. I have given of my time. I've given my resources. I've given mental, emotional energy to the Lord for that. The problem is, is our personal capacity keeps us from receiving all that God has waiting for us. And now you can show the next slide. So this is what I've got, but... This is my capacity. To each, to his ability. This represents my ability. It's my personal capacity. And because I've only got five gallons of capacity, guess how much I can handle in blessing? Five gallons, right? And... The thing is about us, I think we get silly sometimes and because we, we just we keep asking for more and more and more. I mean, we do something really well as American Christians is we need more. We're always needing more. I need more time, more money, more fun, more stuff, more whatever. It's just more. That's how I live every day. Asking for more, more, more influence. God, I need more influence. I need more money, more anointing, even more power. But I think what the Lord says to us is that if he gives it to us, if he tries to open the spigot on that water tower and and starts to and, and I've just got this five-gallon container. Man, what's going to happen after that five gallons gets filled up? It's going to be wasted. It's just going to spill all over the ground. It's going to be wasted all over the floor. So we have to realize that until our personal capacity increases... We cannot increase in the level of blessing that we want to live in. You, you can't make more money and, and, and be in a better place in life if you can't manage the 20000 a year you got now. That's a fact. More money isn't the problem. Better management is. We're the richest people on the planet, by the way. Two-thirds of the planet are living on less than $2 a day. I'll find that much in unopened water bottles when you all leave today. I'll just restock it. I mean, come on. Our problem is that more. We don't live in a poor nation. Poverty is so relative. 
But if we want to increase in, in the quality of life and in the blessings of God, there's something on our part that we have to do. And so for, in order for us to understand how we increase our personal capacity, we have to understand this principle. And if you want to write something down, this would be great. It is the principle of natural, supernatural, natural. Everybody say that with me. Natural, oh, come on. Natural, supernatural, natural. Our journey with God on this earth is many times, it's referred to in the Bible as walking with God or it's a walk of faith, right? So in order to put one foot in front of the other, to walk, we, 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 I'm sorry, let me say that again. In order to walk, we have to put one foot in front of the other. Soon you'll be walking out the door. Oh, come on. Does no one love Christmas like me? It's a great little claymation movie. But if we walk with God, we have to do what? We have to move. We actually have to shuffle our feet. Unfortunately, <laughs> and I, I've been here before, some of us decide or, that our journey with God is mostly a sitting with God <laughs> or a wait and see kind of faith. Huh? Anybody besides me? I'm not walking with the Lord, I'm sitting with him. We're, uh, I'm doing a laying of the Lord in my bed, you know. I'm... Wait and see, God, come on. Right? But here's the thing, that's not God, is it? That is not God. When we receive salvation, we take one step to God, right? And then he comes to us. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have to take one step, and then God comes to us, right? He doesn't force anything on any of us. He's like, it's all free, but come and get it. Remember, we sang about that today. If you want it, come and get it, for crying out loud. <laughs> for crying out loud. Seriously. And you're like, no. No, it'll get to me eventually. I like my recliner. It's coming. I can see it, I swear. No, come and get it. Just one step, man. That's all it takes. God just wants to see a little something in your heart that says, I'm willing to come for it. And then he overwhelms us. In every part of our life in God, he always asks us to take the first step. Just, just one first step. It's a faith step. It's a belief step. I believe you, God. I believe I read something. And, and so, okay, here I go.
But so many times we keep waiting for God to take the first step, but he doesn't. It's our responsibility to move first. So let's, let's look at a story about someone who took a step. Okay? Let's look at 2 Kings. Starting in verse 4. Or chapter 4, sorry, verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. Wow, figure that one out. A woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. My second cousin's brother's sister's dog <laughs> cried to Elijah, Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And now the creditor's coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. In other words, I'm in a big mess. So Elisha said to her, Okay, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then he said, Okay. Well, go borrow some vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour it into all those vessels and set it aside, and set aside the full ones. So she went from him shut the door behind her and her sons and who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. And so the oil ceased. Then she came, <clears throat> told the man of God, and he said, now, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. Now, let's make some observations. First off, Elisha asked her, what do you have in your house? And with that question, we see... The truth of God is that he has given everyone something. Say, I have something. Even though the woman thought, her first thought was, I have nothing. She had something. And she must have thought, that one jar of oil was nothing. Couldn't possibly be used to help her in her situation. Because if she did, she wouldn't have said, I have nothing in the first place, right? But see, God sees everything differently than we do. And, and here's the thing, as God is still asking everyone in this room, what do you have in your possession. 
fact, he's probably asking, what gifts have I given you? What ideas have I already shared with you? What resources are already available to you? What are you doing with what I've already given you? Now, remember the principle is what? Natural, supernatural, natural. So let's look at verse 3 again. In verse 3, Elijah Elisha tells the woman to go collect some jars. Now, if you're taking notes and you want to kind of fit all this into the principle of natural, supernatural, natural, this is the first natural. God asks us to do something in the natural with what we already have first. It's that first step. It's that faith step. That outward action in the natural that shows that we have an inward belief for the supernatural. You've got to show it, right? Head, heart, hands. It's not, it's not a full deal unless it hits all those parts of our life. Believe it, feel it, do it. There's no Christianity apart from that. So, so when we, we look for the jars, and he's asking us, what do you already have? That's the first step. That's the faith step. And here's the next thing we can observe from this passage. We can also see that God did what the woman did. He met her according to the capacity that she enlarged herself to. Because he told her to do what? He said, go get jars. And not just a few. And when she got done filling all the jars, what happened? The blessing stopped. The flow quit. She got as many as she thought she needed. And that's where God met her. For as many jars as she collected, God filled. And here's the thing. So that we quit being a little silly. God is a God of extravagance. But he's not a God of waste. So what happens next? Were all of our debts paid off as soon as the oil got done pouring? No. Come on now. Just because a direct deposit shows up in my bank account doesn't mean my bills get paid. What do I got to do? I got to write some checks. She still had something to do. 
she had to sell. She had to take what God gave her and sell it. So here we have natural, go collect some jars. However many you get, fine. Supernatural is, wow, the oil keeps coming. It doesn't stop. More oil, more oil, more, oh, last jug, they were done. And now we're here natural again. And he told her what? He said, take it and sell it. So what do you have? What has God already given you? What's he already put in your hand? We have to take that which God has given us and we have to bring it to him. We have to bring it to the Lord so he can pour out his supernatural on it. And then we can take that which he has touched and we go do something with it. We have to see that what God has given us It's what he wants us to use. We can't keep looking at all the pots of oil sitting around our homes and wonder why God hasn't paid off our debt. We have to go and sell them. That's the principle of natural, supernatural, natural. It's taking what we have and giving it to God so he can pour into it and then do something with it. And listen, this isn't just for our betterment on the earth so we can, can, can do the things God's called us to do. Listen, there's an account we gotta give. Do you realize that when you go before the Lord, he already knows everything he resourced you with. Every piece of everything, every tool, every car, every house, every piece of clothing, all of it, he gave for resource for you to fulfill his mission on the earth. And he's going to ask, what did you do with what I gave you? Well, I was waiting for you, God. No, you weren't. I was waiting for you. This woman in this story, she enlarged her capacity to pay off her debt when she was obedient to the assignment given to her by the man of God. She had a word from the Lord and she did something. How many of you have a word from the Lord and you're doing That's not warring with your prophetic words. Listen, get this. Our obedience paves the way to our future. It paves the way to your future. See, it was somewhere between her acts of obedience that 
that her miracle occurred. Did you see that? She obeyed. She did what the word of the Lord said to do. And she got her miracle. We have to stop waiting for God to do it all for us because he wants to do it with us. Our first step allows God the next step so that we can complete the obedience with the last step. You know, we, we even sang, I'm going to read a scripture, Isaiah 40, verse 31. We were singing about this today even a little bit. It says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, I realize that a common understanding of wait is this picture of sitting and doing nothing. But I believe this word means something different. I believe that this word means something else. I believe that it means waiting as in how a waiter or a waitress comes and waits on you. Those who wait on the Lord, those who serve the Lord. Hi, nice to meet you, Abba. Welcome. How can I serve you today? Here's a menu of things you've given me. Here's my gifts and my talents, my resources. How would you like me to serve you today? That's waiting on the Lord. Can I help you, Lord? How can I serve you today? What can I get for you? How, do I, how can I lay my life down for you today? That's my job, right? I mean, how many of us would walk into a restaurant and all the waitresses are just sitting around the bar? And you're like smiling at first and looking, you know, and then you start burning laser beams into the back of their heads. And then all of a sudden you're, you're like, well, what's going on? And one bold person in the group gets sides to walk over to them. Hey, um, we'd like to order. Well, we're waiting. Give it to us. But that's how we are in the church. Oh, Lord, I'm sitting here. I'm waiting for you to show up. And Instead, we've got to ask the question, how can I be waiting on you today? Those who wait on the Lord have more strength given to them. Lazy Christians don't get more strength. Do you get that? Lazy Christians don't have more put in them. No more strength. It's those who are serving the Lord. It's those who are following after him in obedience that he's like, yeah, here's some more strength. Come on, go up a little higher. Fly up like an eagle. Run. 
I mean, seriously, why does a spiritually lazy person need to have their strength renewed for anyway? I mean, why would God renew our strength only so we can sustain our continually self-centered lifestyle pursuing personal pleasure? What's the point in giving you more strength? Well, I can stay up later and watch TMZ. Come on now. God gives more strength to those who use it for his purpose and his glory. I mean, seriously, some of you, and I know you've prayed this. I was up late watching movies last night, and I just need the Lord to renew my strength so I can make it to church today. Huh? Really? Oh, Lord, give me the strength to get out of bed. We've got to get rid of this thinking that says, if I just show up a couple of times at church a month, I don't do life with anybody. Maybe I throw 20 in the bucket every once in a while. That I'm now positioned for great blessing. I mean, give it up. You're a fool. I love you, but you're dumb. You're not positioned for blessing. You're not positioned for more. God doesn't need to resource you to be more lazy. He doesn't. You're good. You got food. You got clothes. You got a roof. He promised those things to you. Now, just get out of the way of the rest of us. Or get in the boat. And let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Let's go do some work. We're living a life, we think that our apathetic Christianity needs to be resourced. We're living a lie. American Christianity is not the model. It needs to die. It needs to go away. The American dream is not what we were put on the earth for. The kingdom dream was. And while we're on this planet, you have one job. It's to serve to give everything you have, to have it all completely, fully exhausted by the day you live to breathe your last breath. So what has God given you? What has been the word of the Lord to you? What has God said for you to do? If you will obey if you will serve, if you will give, if you will just take one step, miracles will start showing up in your life. But if you just want to sit back and relax, enjoy the football game, or the basketball, whatever season we're in now. It's March Madness, isn't it? It's crazy. You're good then. You got everything you need. If you're ready, let's just stand up if you want something. 
You want to you wanna take a step with the Lord. Got a little bit more to share on this next week. But listen, stop deceiving yourself, okay? If you're not active in the kingdom, resources are given to those who know how to use them. More is poured out to those who take what they've been given and they make good use of it for the Lord. If you're tired of being a one-talent person, then quit digging a hole in the ground and putting your stuff in it. Father, and let's just pray. Father, I pray for conviction in my heart. I pray for conviction in all our hearts this morning, God. We don't want to be one-talent people. We want to be two, five, ten, twenty, a hundred thousand. God, give us the courage to be the first step of faith. The first step that, step that says, I believe you, Lord. You promise that, God, even if we make a mistake, you will be there to catch us. Because you're a daddy who loves us, God. And you don't want to see us fail. You want to see us become everything you've created us to be, God. So I pray today for everyone in this room that they would be bold enough to get off their spiritual recliners and begin to get on the mission of God for their life. That we would enlarge our capacity this year, God. That our vision for this year would be, how do I enlarge my capacity so I can bring in more souls this year? So I can disciple more people this year? So I can save more marriages this year? So I can raise kids better this year? So I can save more orphans this year? What, God, help me to enlarge my capacity We need more healings, more deliverance, God. But we're calling out, Lord, to help us to take those first steps and to grow us up in whatever way you deem necessary. So open our eyes, God. Give us that salve that you promised in the book of Revelation to the church of Laodicea so that we can see things the way they really are. We want real gold. We want real white clothing, God. We petition you today for those things, God. But heal our eyes to see the truth of our lives and all that you've already given us that should be used for your kingdom's glory. And so we say we love you today. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. We give you thanks, God. You've made us the richest in the earth. You've made us the kings and queens, Lord, financially and the planet. God, help us to give more, to come and wait upon you, God, with a servant's heart. We thank you for that call you've put on us all, Lord. We thank you for this day and we bless you, Father. If you're here today and you need prayer for any kind of need, we'll have the altar team up here. 
But I encourage you to come down and receive prayer if you need some ministry. Encourage each other, though, in the Lord and remind each other that there's something awesome God has planned for the life that's sitting next to you. In Jesus' name, be blessed.